You're listening to Of Slights and Men with Benji and Jacob. A Daily Magician Production. Well, hello and welcome back to Of Slides and Men. We are, well, I am very excited to be joined by a special guest. Uh, you might have heard him before. He's the author of multiple books. Uh, he's been on a internet sensation. Uh, he's known for his impressive sleight of hand. And he's also the publisher, although I talked about his books, of Principia, a hugely successful book. And I'm very excited to have him on the show today. How are how, how, Actually, I didn't even ask how to say your name properly. I'm sure I said that horribly. How, how, how are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Actually, oddly enough, you pronounced my name Harapan correctly. But it's Principia. <laughs> it's Principia, not Principia. Do your homework, <laughs> Jacob. No, it's okay. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common thing because you think of the word principles. And, I mean, it is, right. it, it is the word for principles. But, but you know, th- there's been so much... Uh, buzz and discussion about the correct correct pronunciation of that word. I insist that it's Principia because whenever I watch a video about some librarian at the Royal Society in London, you know, about you know, mm. where they talk about Isaac Newton's work, they seem to always say Principia. But I think in Latin they used to say a C as a C as a hard K. Right. So I think so. Yeah, it's only a modern in, in modern English that. C has become a S as opposed to a K. Mm. So I think it makes sense. Yeah. I think it's right. Well, I will will begin to share that with the world. I'll be your missionary for Principia. Yes, I insist. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perfect. Um, Like I said, I'm really excited to have you on. And I'm glad that I didn't mess up your name, although I did mess up your famous book. So I guess that's a, yeah, you know, 50 50 on on, on the start. Um, But I wanted to ask you, I know it's the cliche question, um, but I want to get out of the way straight away. Um, how did you, how did yes, you start? Like magic. How, how, oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. I read Hit your me. mind. I know. Hey, well, Max, hey, Max, me. Even mentalism. Eat, eat your heart up. Eat your heart up. <laughs> uh, okay, how did I get started? Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was expecting that question. Uh, how did I get started in magic? Um, well, I, I think I got started in magic at quite a young age. This year, I'm going to be 31, and I got started in magic mm. when I was like 10 years old, I think. I was always interested in magic when I was young. I think when I was young, what was on TV were David Copperfield show, uh, David Copperfield specials in Singapore. So, you know, your hmm. Statue of Liberty, your flying and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I think one trick that really stood out in my mind was Grandpa's Aces, like, you know, McDonald's Aces. I just remember him waving his hand over the cards and the cards changing. And I just hmm. spent, I remember spending a lot of time in my room with a deck of cards trying to figure out how he could have done the change and i think that's sort of how i started i guess thinking about card magic and all that mm-hmm. um after that when i was 10 years old i asked my parents to um basically buy me a birthday uh, sort of a birthday present which was a magic set and i wanted to learn magic so that, i think that my first magic set with all your you know plastic props was when i was at 10 years old and i think ever since then um yeah it used to be a sort of casual hobby I think it became really serious when I was a teenager, maybe about 15 years old. I got mm. really, really serious and into it, practicing every day and showing my friends in school and becoming the magic guy in school, if you know what I mean. And uh, I yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think, I, yeah, I think that's how I got started, and twenty years later, it's I, I'm here. Yeah. Ah, I like that. Uh, I'm interested as well. Um, tell me, like, about magic in in, in Singapore, because that's what, that's where you grew up, right? If I'm if, if I got mm. that bit of homework right, and if I'm that, if I'm pronouncing correct. Singapore correctly. Yes. No, it's Singapore. It's Singapore. Ari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, if you want to be really specific, the S is silent, so it's Ingapore. Yeah, I'm gonna oh, speak. <laughs> oh no! That, no, that no, one no. I read your research on. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Singapore, yeah. Um, magic in Singapore, I mean, is relatively young compared to, I'm guessing, magic in other countries. Uh, you know, in the in the UK or in America, where which is a long tradition of magic, um, or, or even Europe in general. And this is what we consider mm. modern magic. I think it's, it's very young in Singapore. There are good magicians around here. Um, I would say that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a growing, it's, a, it's a growing art form. I think people are getting more and more interested in magic. And, um, but at the same time, I think because I'm more of an amateur magician who likes creating stuff, I think on that front, it's still very in, in its infant stage. You know, there are not many magicians out here. Mm in the field of creating and publishing. I think most magicians in Singapore are pretty practical magicians, meaning they are more workers than anything. So more people right. are out there trying to earn a living through magic to, you know, go to a restaurant and so on. Yeah. Interesting. I guess that kind of, when you're a worker as well, you, you I guess your moves become a lot more practical as well. And I guess you, you play more of what works. So that's, that's an interesting one. I'm interested, so like, who are like other than yourself like who are like the singapore magicians like uh, who like do you meet is it like a group of you like i'm just interested like how does the scene look over there sure sure i mean um if you talk about an amateur scene meaning people who still go to jams and session um yeah there are many young people i think that's what i like about it is that i think there are many young magicians that are coming up um in the past i used to hold these uh, magic gems, which I call open magic gems. So anyone can come. It's a once a month, uh, yeah, once a month thing, where uh, on a Saturday I would say, hey, come down to this place. And I was surprised at how many magicians turned up. And I remember during the first jam, many of them were like, oh, Harpan, thank you for doing this because I didn't even know there were that many magicians in Singapore to jam with. And I think through those jams, many cliques and many groups have been formed, which which, which I'm happy with, of course. That I've managed to create some friendships and connections amongst local magicians. Um, I mean, in, in my group of friends that I hang out, uh, maybe you know, like Avi. I don't know if you know Avi, who's a coin magician. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, Avi, yeah. He's, been, he's recently been making the, you know, making the rounds with his uh, publications. There are others, you know, there's Hui Hang, there is uh, Alan and Ryan. These are lesser known names, but they're also on the rise. Uh, Hui Hang is also a coin magician, but he also has a DVD out. Um, yeah, but, but, but these are sort of young magicians who are really passionate. The people I like to hang out with are people who are, uh, you know, either show a lot of potential in their creativity, in their sleight of hand, but also uh, either that or they are much smarter than I am or much better than I am in certain aspects of magic. And I want to hang out with hmm. people like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Uh, I, I, was, I was talking with Jamie in Swiss about that yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, and he he was tell- he was speaking exactly about that point of of kind of hanging out with people that are better than you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, he he was saying the same thing about how 
uh, in the, earlier in his career, he he spent a lot of time with with Pendula and and Teller. Yeah. Um, and I just talking that. about, yeah, <laughs> the impact that would have, yeah, <laughs> on your magic. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine yeah. anyone else except Pendula and Teller. They are all yeah. in the same in the same field of like magic and skepticism and atheism. Right. Yeah, that's true. That is that is yeah. very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, I I think that's a really good point, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, and especially for for younger magicians like myself, because I'm 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 21. Oh, so okay, I'm definitely not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not an experienced. Magician and, and I'm going to show that I've not done my homework, but you are from the UK, am I right? I am from the UK, yes. Yeah, because you mentioned just now before the show, you mentioned we're sitting down in an English pub, and I'm like, okay, no, no one else gonna do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I used to I, I used to study there, so so I'm I'm familiar with. Oh, okay, cool. The UK, yeah. Where, where, where did you study? Uh, well, I was uh, for my university studies, I went to London, uh, University College London, UCL. Oh, cool, yeah. And then, Great university. Uh, yeah, and then for my master's degree, I went to Cambridge, University of Cambridge, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so you end doing science, physics, I would assume? Physics, a, physics, yeah. a physics degree. Physics. Yeah, in, both, in both universities. That is, that, those are some cool universities to go to for physics. You must have... Uh... Gone with some pretty yeah. I had a really stuff. really fun time. I had a really really <laughs> fun time. And what one thing I miss most about the UK, like I said, on on the same topic is that I think in the UK my circle of friends was such that um, not 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 that my current friends are not better than me. I'm just saying that in the UK <laughs> the, the, the the opportunities to meet people who were just mind blowingly crazily good it's, it's just so much higher. You know, there's so many chances to meet mm. people like that. And I was very fortunate to meet some people who were really really excellent. I mean, there's so many good magicians there who also helped me, you know, help help me create some connections with other big name magicians. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very, um, uh, I'm very thankful for those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. I mean, seeing as we kind of got into it straight away, let, let's let's talk about that. I'd, I'd love to hear more. At the Daily Magician, we're all about kind of thinking differently and thinking outside of magic to bring things inside of a bit. And that's why one of the reasons I really wanted to reach out to you and, and talk to you. Okay. Um, so I'd love to hear, tell me more about your physics background. Tell me more about kind of just like where that passion comes from and how that plays into your magic. Sure. Um, I would say that my, my story in physics is kind of a, roundabout thing so i get i'm guessing many people in physics who start out uh, who, who are really good in physics tend to be very passionate about a subject perhaps at a very young age um one of my favorite quotes and and i do not and unfortunately although it's one of my favorite quotes i cannot remember who said it <laughs> or where it's from i just remember i think it's in a in, in some interview on youtube i can no longer find the clip um where the, the quote is something like uh in the, uh, to be a great artist, you need rigor and discipline. Whereas to mm. be a great scientist, you need creativity and passion. So th the point of the quote is to purposely, you know, juxtapose the two. Because people usually think for art, you need creativity and passion, right? And for the sciences, you need rigor and discipline. Right. But they, they swap the two on purpose because um, if I can... I'm not much of an artist, although I do magic. I, I don't think I consider myself an artist, but... I think in sciences, to be really good at science, to be a great scientist, I think you really need someone to be really passionate about what they're doing. Don't you think so? I mean, if you think about it, any, almost anyone can say, oh, I, I, like, I like singing. I like dancing. I like drawing. Right? I mean, no one hates these things. I like movies. 
but it's very rare to find someone saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to dedicate a huge part of my life studying advanced quantum field theory. Yeah. Right? right? You, you need someone who's really crazy and really passionate about physics to dedicate themselves to that. I think that's what they mean by to be a good scientist, you need creativity and passion, especially the word passion. So, okay, anyway, back on my story is that um, my, my passion in physics wasn't from high school, wasn't from secondary school. I would say that in school, I was usually better in the sciences and maths, or be, you know, better in those subjects, mm. as opposed to the humanities, you know, like history or geography or literature. So right. I guess I was always more slanted, but more, I know, I was always more slanted toward those subjects. But I wasn't particularly passionate about them. I think I was passionate eventually because um, I, I was offered a scholarship to study in the UK by the, by the Singapore government. So, what? yeah, so, so, so the... Singapore government offered me a scholarship to study there, so all my tuition fees, uh, my tuition fees are paid for. Um, but when I come back, I have to be a teacher for about six years in Singapore, which is mm. what I'm, which is what I'm doing now. Oh, um, it's almost like sign up for the army or something. Like yeah, you, something yeah, like that. Pay yeah, your time. You, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It, it is something like that. Um, but I, they, they told me that well, you have to study physics and be a physics teacher, and if you're okay with that, you sign this piece of paper. Right. That's that's what a scholarship is. So I signed it without really... The, the funny thing is I signed it without really thinking whether I would like to study physics. I just knew I wanted to go overseas because I wanted to, you know, live by myself and have a bit of freedom. <laughs> so, I, so I did that. <laughs> but after signing the paper, I realized I better start studying a little bit because I knew my physics wasn't that great. So I wanted, to do, I, I wanted to do well. <laughs> so by, by, however, by forcing myself to study physics, I, I got this deep passion for physics because I just realized I'm missing out. There's so much more stuff you know, to a subject that I haven't learned about. And I right. think that's the same thing with many things, which is that if any of my students are listening to this right now, or any student is listening to this right now, is that many subjects in life um, are always more interesting the more you get into it. The deeper you go into something, it's always more interesting. And I think that applies for any subject. I, I cannot think of a subject where the more you study it, the less interesting it gets. Even something you hate, yeah. like let's say if you don't like languages. If you learn languages deep enough, actually you learn about the history of where the words come from. For example, in English, why do you call a dog a dog? Why is a cat called a cat? Where did the word come from? Then you learn all these things. And what was the old word for cat? And you keep going back and forth. And you start to learn that everything is really interesting. And it's the same for physics, for biology, for languages for geography everything is interesting the more you study it. and i'm sure magic is the same as well if you just learn the basic tricks it's like oh okay i know how it's done i know what a double lift is i know what a pass is but then you learn you know that oh magic is rooted in uh, of mediums and psychics and frauds and shamans and people used to believe those you know, spells and suddenly <laughs> everything is interesting suddenly you get the more you go into it it's always more interesting yeah yeah that, that's a very important point that doesn't like but I think maybe it's encompassed by that idea of rather than going um, wide and shallow mm. to go like narrow and deep. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely true. Um, like there's always, there's always another rabbit hole <laughs> to go down. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, that's, that's the correct yeah. word. It's always going down a rabbit hole. Whatever you choose to go down is always more interesting. The more you go down, this is nothing I can think of that's less interesting. The more you go down. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's and also everything is so like intertwined as well. Like it, it's it's always interesting to me because 
I study a lot of like marketing and just like mm. copywriting and, and things mm. like that. And it's always so fascinating to me to see how intertwined that is with right. everything, you know, like it, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. I think, I can't remember. I think it was Roberto Giobi actually. Yeah. We were talking to Roberto Giobi and he mm. was telling us how, like, we're asking him like, why study magic? You know, like why that out of everything that you chose to do, you know? And, right. and he was saying, you know, like however deep you go down a subject, you know, it doesn't really matter which one it is eventually you'll find that it just like intertwines with everything and it will teach you about mm. a whole other a bunch of other subjects. And I think that's really true. Um, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. I mean, circling back to the topic of intertwining, um, I think you did ask me about how physics and magic were intertwined. Mm -hmm. And I haven't answered that yet. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Thank you, everyone. We'll end the podcast here. Uh, yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Is that music? Is that an outro music? Eventually, you you put on something like that. I'm guessing there is. Uh, yeah, of course. Oh. Yeah, we, we have it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I was saying that um, yeah, uh, physics and magic are intertwined. Um, oddly enough, I don't use physics in my, for example, my presentations. People expect me to always talk about, you know, qu <laughs> quantum physics or the quantum teleportation. There are some things where I try to, <laughs> I, I try to have that kind of thing in my magic, but. Most of the time, if you watch my Instagram videos and things like that, I don't really go down that route. I think it's more about how it affects my thinking, how I create my magic. I think there are certain aspects, but there are rather intangible aspects and intangible influences. Um, in Principia, the, the opening essay, I do talk about how, my, uh, how it has influenced my magic. And I think it's just about, for example, looking for uh, beauty in magic, the, the concept of beauty and elegance in magic is found in, for example, mathematics as well. You'll hear mathematicians say things like, oh, there's a, there's a very beautiful equation. There's a very elegant proof of, of the you know, Fermat's last theorem or something like that. Hmm. And I try to draw the parallels between what people consider beautiful magic or elegant methods with you know, beautiful maths and elegant proofs in maths. And uh, uh, yeah, so I think that essay, sort of, if you have the book, you will see that. Yeah, it's a very long essay. And basically, I, I, I outline how it has influenced my magic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think something that's interesting is, uh, I like how you say that as well, of like, <laughs> people always expect you to just like pull out. Yeah, man, that's the first thing always. <laughs> people people think always ask is something like, oh, when you, when you do like ambitious card, do you say like, you know, it's about, a card having a, a lower density and that's why it, it rises to the top and uh, oh if, if a card goes to your pocket is it because of quantum teleportation <laughs> uh you know uh, if, if this thing happens is it because it's a it's a it's a virtual particle that fades out of existence and that's why it's a coin and uh, i'm like oh man why can't you just do it the classic way magic is magic and like, it's it's it is what it is but i, I think the way it's influenced me more is just how I think about magic, how I go about approaching, creating and thinking and things like that. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to the actual presentation and performance. I interrupt this podcast to give a brief shout out to our website, thedailymagician.com. If you haven't already signed up for our daily emails that will give you great content, just like this podcast, please head over there and sign up now. That's thedailymagician.com. We promise that we won't disappoint you. I like that. Yeah. I guess I'm interested. So, what, what, how do you perform that? Is it because again, I was talking to Jamie about this yesterday, and he was talking about how, you know, it's all about finding a way to 
be yourself and express yourself. So I'm interested, I guess, like, what is your way of performing and like expressing yourself, I guess? Sure. I think the way I perform, if I was to try to describe it, is I try to adapt myself to the situation. I think that's the very, a very important thing. To be honest, I'm not much of a performer. I don't perform as much as many right. other magicians because I'm an amateur. I don't, I'm not doing this as an, uh, no, for my living. I'm just, whenever the chance hits, let's say my student asks me to perform or my friends ask me to perform, I'll do something. But I always try to adapt my personality. I try to adapt my tricks, the way I present the trick, to whatever situation I am. I find myself in. So, for example, if I'm performing for students, for example, if I'm performing for the school, I, I might try to go in a more physics direction because my students know me as a physics teacher. My colleagues know me as a physics teacher. So if I perform with a presentation that's more sort of maths-based or physics-based, I think it fits that character more, right? It fits the situation better. But if people don't know who I am, if people don't know who I am, and I start going into this physics thing, maybe they don't understand why. Because they're expecting me to be a magician that they have seen before on TV. Maybe it's uh, David Blaine or, you know, uh, whoever they've seen. <laughs> you can see how old my magic references are. <laughs> Um, I'm mentioning David Blaine. I mean, not that David Blaine is outdated. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's it's been quite some time since he's as famous as he was. Um, but 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 so, so I might perform just in a more. Usually, I would say I perform in a more casual, improvised manner. I I don't have this performance mode thing. I'm just kind of like, all right, you see a trick, you know? Okay, sure. And the and the tricks I kind of perform tend to also be much more improvised in the sense that it depends on what I have at hand or if I have a deck of cards, great. But the trick I do. I don't have a set routine. I don't have a set opener. A lot of magicians ask me, Harpan, what's your opener? What's your closer? To me, that's if you're performing in a restaurant or a, or a, you know, or a theater show where you have, a, you have a set opener and closer. But when you're with friends, so why don't you just see what they want to see? I mean, if someone says, hey, I've seen someone change the four kings to four aces. Can you do that? You do that. You don't have to always go with your opener. I, I tend to be very improvisational <laughs> when I perform. Yeah. I like that. I'm interested, what, what have you learned um, from teaching? Uh, I mean, like teaching and magic, like how, what have you learned from both of them? Or even just, I'm interested, when did you decide? Because are you still on that like six years that you had to teach? Or did oh. you decide to go teaching full time? Like how? how oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I have actually my scholarship just ended. Uh, the bond, the, my scholarship bond just ended last year. So actually, I'm mm. right now doing this sort of voluntarily, I guess. That's like I am a, not, not that I'm not being paid. I am being paid, but. I'm choosing to stay on in teaching because I actually do, right. I do enjoy the job a lot. This is really fun. Um, and I'm teaching in a pretty good school as well, so I've got no issues with that. Um, I would say teaching and magic, the way they are intertwined, um, the most important thing I realized is that teaching gives me a great opportunity to practice my speaking skills, my presentation skills. I see mm. every time, I, 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 the way I see it is that every time I step into a classroom, in a way, I'm performing. I'm trying to get everyone's attention. I want to make sure everyone is sort of entertained and focused on my lesson, which is very similar to, you know, a magician walking on stage and making sure everyone watches the trick and is invested in the trick that they are performing. So I think being a teacher has made me clearer in the way I speak, in the, and especially clearer in the way I give instructions to people. Because to be a teacher, I realize that it's to manage a classroom 
It's about setting expectations, um, giving clear instructions to students to let them know what they're expected to do for their lesson. And sometimes when I, when I perform magic nowadays, I'm very aware of something as small as that, which is that sometimes I watch a magician perform and the spectator would mess something up because the magician wasn't clear enough with uh, the instructions that they gave. Right? Because, for example, they expect the audience to know what cutting the deck means. And in Singapore, not everyone knows what cut the deck means. Or even something as mm. basic as um, the suits in a deck. Some, many, some people in Singapore don't know what to call the suits. You know, they don't know that clubs is called clubs. They may know hearts. They may know diamonds. But they may not know spades and clubs. They are sort of more obscure. So imagine like, you know, you're building up to the trick and you go, okay, for the first time, what is your card? <laughs> And you go, and either they say the wrong suit, like it is a seven of clubs, they say seven of spades, or they'll go something like, oh, it's the, you know, seven of, you know, that shape, that the thing, that thing, you know what I'm talking about? Like that. my wife, she's always like, seven of clovers. And I'm uh, like, yeah, uh... something like that, yeah. <laughs> clovers is really not bad, because people kind of know. Yeah, it's, it's but, pretty close, yeah. But, but it's, <laughs> it's the worst when they drag the ending, right, because they don't know what it is. So they're like, seven of, and they make a gesture with their hands, like, you know that shape, that thing, like seven of, what do you call that? And is it spades, clubs? And it always, of course, ruins the moment, yeah. right? You want to, I mean, a, a strong magic ending is very dependent on timing. And like the moment you turn over the card, and if they don't say it at the correct time, it doesn't work as well. So I realize sometimes nowadays, I, I tell people who ask me for advice about magic is that if you can spend more time just explaining the premise and the instructions of the trick, you spend that extra 10 seconds. It may sound obvious, but if you just spend the extra 10, 20 seconds to explain what's going on, I think you'll see that the reaction is twofold, threefold, you know, more stronger than mm. before. Just because they know exactly what's going on. Some magicians just don't spend enough time explaining the premise. Like, you know, if it's an ambitious card, they just say, okay, look, uh, I put your card in, when I snap my fingers, it jumps to the top. Okay, now I put it in. Why don't you just give a, uh, just a short 10 second thing about why the card is jumping up even if it's a bit lame as long as you speak with conviction and you can not say convince them that it's actually happening right you know oh the card is a is a very sad person that i convince him to be ambitious and come to the top i mean you can do that but the point is if you say mm. these kind of things with conviction and you believe in what you say i think audiences are able to follow the narrative of the story much better and i think being a teacher yes being a teacher has made me a better narrator a better storyteller i used to be really bad at doing story tricks nowadays i find myself better right. and more comfortable with just doing tricks where it's like okay i've got four kings here one day they go and you know rob a house or something like that yeah i used to cringe at these things but nowadays i find myself <laughs> being able to perform them pretty comfortably and i think the audience reaction is actually pretty good it's actually not too bad and they actually are charmed by these sort of presentations yeah mm. What would you say it takes to uh, be, give just kind of to be a clear communicator as a teacher? What have you found is the best way to to be just be able to <laughs> not what I'm doing right now actually <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be able to communicate ideas simply and uh, clearly? I think the key skill is probably empathy, right? Meaning mm -hmm. you know you you whenever you want to communicate something, you are thinking about how the other person is going to understand what you're saying. And you try to make sure you pitch it at whatever level you think they're at. So I think the best physics teachers are those that 
know how their students feel and how their student, why their students are not understanding a particular concept. I think the worst teachers are those that um, sort of, they may be very smart, they know their physics very well, um, but they don't understand how can someone not understand a very basic concept, right? How mm. can you not understand Newton's laws? Come on, it's so easy. Why don't you understand that? Uh, whereas I think a good teacher is someone who knows like, oh, okay, uh, I, I understand why you don't understand this because I was once in your shoes. Okay, let me try to give an analogy to explain something better mm. so that, oh, you understand it from a very simple level and now I scaffold it up so that eventually I can bring you up to the same level of understanding as I have. And I think in magic, it's the same, isn't it? Um, a lot of magicians don't think enough about mm. the audience's perspective. They only think about what a magician sees or thinks. But we need to think about what the audience understands or knows about magic, which comes back to what I said just now. Many people haven't seen magic before or they've only seen it on TikTok or you know Instagram or YouTube. So when seeing in, in real life, they don't know how to react or, how, or what to do. So if you can just guide them a little bit more, I think you'll see that they are much more comfortable and they'll have a better memory of your performance. Mm. How do you develop empathy, therefore? Like, like, how do you stay humble enough to remember what that you at one point where people were? How, how do you kind of, yeah, how do you develop empathy? Oh, wow. That's a deep question. I don't know if, if I have an answer. It is. Your opinion. Your opinion. Yeah, I don't know if, you, I, if I actually have an answer for that because I never really thought about how to develop empathy. Um. I think maybe it's ex- for me, it's maybe experience. Probably when I started out as a teacher, I wasn't as empathetic. But the more, mm. the, the, the more I taught, the more I realized that, oh, okay, there are people who are really, really, let's say, unsure about physics. And I cannot expect everyone to be on the same level. So I kind of have to make sure uh, whenever I plan a lesson, I make sure I cover enough things so that everyone understands what I'm saying. And I think in magic, maybe magicians thought more about how they're perceived as magicians, how each of their sentences, how each of their instructions, mm. how their tricks, how their presentations are perceived in the minds of the audience. I think that's how eventually you develop empathy through multiple performances and lots of planning and thinking before the show happens. Yeah. Well, and also yeah, reflection. Yeah. Also reflections after the show. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay, so what do you think is a good reflection after a show then? A good reflection? I mean, I think I, the way I think about... I don't, I don't perform as much, but if something goes doesn't go well or goes really well in a trick, I tend to just keep it in my mind. Like, okay, I just did something that really got a really good reaction. And they seem to really like that presentation. I tried, I, I tried something new. Like I said, when I perform, I tend to be very improvisational. So every time I perform something, it's a little bit different from the way I presented it last time. And um, w- w- when I realized I hit on something that, oh, when I perform it this way, it seems to really, really work because people laughed more or people were more surprised, then I, w- I would keep it for the next one. And if something that didn't go as well, and I thought like, oh, they, they messed up the ending, then I would have to think back like, oh, I forgot, it was, I forgot to give this particular instruction or I, bo- I forgot to check if they understood what I meant. So the next time I would be more careful. And I liken it to almost like a, like a Darwinian evolution by natural selection kind of situation where, mm. where I'm slowly evolving my routine through multiple generations of performance, 
just like how speciation and species uh, like speciation works right how species are developed through right. adaptation to their surroundings so okay whatever doesn't work is weeded out after generations of performance whereas those that are adapted to the, to the environment are kept so that the genes are strong the genes that are stronger and more adaptable are kept right no, they are more adapted are kept for the next generation of offspring and that's how the way i see and that's the way i see my performances which is i evolve them with performance and performance and performance when that and i do that by reflecting thinking about what went wrong what went right so that in the next generation in the next performance um i can get better hmm. like that yeah so kind of not not so much like trial and error but like deeper and in times of like, like you say, like a Darwinian like evolution. Yes, yes. Yeah, like... yeah. If it's trial and error, I mean, it is a kind of trial and error in the sense that right. once in a while I'll try something random, just depending on what comes to my mind. I might say a line or something that I never thought of before. I just thought of on the spot. And if it doesn't work, then I know the next time it'll be weeded out. You know, just like in, if I'm not wrong, right. in evolution, it's about there are random genetic mutations, but the mutations that are beneficial are kept. And those that are not are weeded out, and eventually the mutations become a feature of that animal, right? Of that, of that organism. Interesting. Yeah. But can you elaborate on random? Because I'm just interested in that. Like a random, like, what does that mean? Oh, oh you mean in, ma- in the context of magic? Because in biology. Sorry, no. Just uh, in the context of science, I'm really interested. Like, I, I, oh. I, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, I, I'm, I'm not super into biology. So I, I may not be able to explain it very well. If someone, okay. if, by the way, if anyone out there is listening, um, please feel free to email me or message me if I'm wrong. But my understanding is that um, in the replication of DNA, there are mistakes that can happen, right? So yeah, like, example, like like the giraffe's like neck and how it like doesn't really link up to its stomach correctly. <laughs> like I, yeah, it yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, the, I think that one is a little bit of a. Let me think. Is that what I'm referring to? Uh, okay, I, I'm not sure if that's what I'm referring to. I, I just mean that, for example, um, each... Okay, okay. To, to put it very simply, obviously you are not identical to your parents, right? Although your, your, your DNA right. and your genes came from your parents, you are not 100% identical. And that's because there is some random mutation or random uh, difference, mm-hmm. sort of differences in the way that the DNA is replicated. If DNA was a perfect replicator, everyone will be identical to their parents. Right. Right? <laughs> so, so, so the reason why everyone's a bit different, for example, if I, me and my siblings are a little bit different, maybe I have a bit taller than them or my eyesight is a bit worse than them or I'm a bit stronger, or I can build more muscle than them or whatever it is. It's because of this thing, right? There are random genetic mutations different from my parents and therefore every offspring is different. But over many, 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 many years, um, depending on the natural selection, depending on the environmental pressure from whatever environment I find myself in, certain of these certain traits that are that arise from these mutations are kept from you know as they pass on to different offspring because they are more beneficial, they are more adapted to the surroundings. Whereas those that are not good are weeded out. So eventually, um, that's how you get. Eventually, after millions of years, hundreds of millions of uh, there are millions of years you get different species and things like that just do this gradual change yeah interesting okay yeah. you have to look at that, that more 
in yeah, depth because so. of the It's really interesting. Oh, biology well, is so thanks. interesting. Yeah. Evolution is so interesting. I'm sure Jamie gets yeah. about this because you know, yeah, I should. community they <laughs> evolution and things like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, perfect. Well, moving on. I, I feel kind of strange to move on from this to from that question to this point. <laughs> There's no segue. Um, There's no segue. Absolutely no segue. Oh, no. oh by the way, Arvan, watch any good shows lately? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I, moving towards kind of like social media, and I, I know you asked this a lot, but still, I want to ask you about it. Sure. Um, I, I listened to a little bit of uh, the when you were on uh, Discourse in Magic. Podcast, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and you talked a little bit about kind of how it was like the whole kind of pitch on that one was like how like Instagram magic is art, and I I, I kind of found that hilarious in a weird way that that was even a debate because mm. for me I find it. As soon as people try and say like this is art and this isn't, it always just makes me laugh because it's like I don't know. For instance, like for a long time we we lived in we lived in well in Boston and um, my wife was at was at Berkeley mm. and we would go to a lot of just really artsy stuff. Well, I guess artsy and revered commerce would be you know just kind of like you know just interpreted dance and I uh, would go to like art theaters and and all uh, art galleries and all that sort of stuff and, and it was always very funny because sometimes I just wouldn't find things beautiful or artsy in that way. Mm. And people would be like, well, no, it is art. And, you know, yeah. but the whole point of art is interpretation, right? It's right. your own personal interpretation. So I just, anyway, that's a massive preamble, but um, I, I think it's funny when people say like, this is a, this is not art. And this is, you know, because like, that's kind of denies the whole point of, of art, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gate, gatekeeping art. Imagine, right. imagine, imagine literally yeah. gatekeeping art. Yeah, yeah, and so anyway, I'd I'd love you to, to elaborate a little bit more on kind of your view on Instagram magic and and why to you it it is an art. I briefly pause this podcast to give a shout out to the Daily Magician Tapes Collection. This is a growing collection of exclusive audio training and interviews with some of the world's best, including the magician that you're listening to right now. If you'd like to find out more about the Daily Magician tapes, head over to thedailymagician.com slash tapes. That's thedailymagician.com slash tapes. We'll see you there. Um, to be honest, okay, I'll be very honest. I can't remember me saying that Instagram magic is an art. But, but, but yes, I agree that, that it, is, it, it, it is a valid form of magic, I would, I would say that. Right. Um, I, I think, I, I can't remember if I say this on Discord and magic, but I'm like, man, I wish people five years ago would be more why well, wish magicians would have stopped gatekeeping magic as like oh magic must be done live magic right. you know it's you know it's not magic if you're not doing it live but i'm like now you look at um 2020 covid19 and you just see how many magicians have they've backpedaled so quickly <laughs> on you know they've backpedaled so quickly they've broken their necks right from just from the whiplash of you know, backpedaling that quickly from you know, doing a 180 degree turn. And it's so silly because now everyone is like, oh, oopsie, you know, uh, sorry, now everyone's doing dealing tricks and Zoom tricks and whatever. And, I, and I'm like, can you imagine if all of this debate was put aside five years ago and magicians would just be, you know what, we are going to start creating tricks for this new platform. Imagine how much more ready we would be for this pandemic. And how many more yeah. magicians would be able to sure. survive, you know, performing and doing what they love for a living as opposed to either quitting magic or just going broke because they couldn't survive in this new 
realm of TikTok and Instagram and Zoom. Mm. So I just wish whatever the new medium is the next, uh, no, in the future, I wish magicians would just stop bickering about no, 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 no. As Vernon once said, magic must be something like that. Look, I love Die Vernon. I, I love the classics. Anyone who knows me on Instagram and on social media, all I do is I promote, I try to promote books. I, I, I publish so many books. I love reading. I love classics. I love old magic. But it, it needs to, we need to think about adapting these things for the new era. And part of it is understanding how these tricks uh, can be suited for new mediums and new platforms. And if they can't be suited, then we have to create new ideas and new things. And that's what magicians are doing nowadays. Yeah, I wish magicians would just please embrace the next medium and stop bickering about what magic should be and should not be. We can agree that certain mediums are better, are more, you know, you prefer certain mediums, for example. Yeah, I prefer live magic over Zoom magic. But it doesn't mean it's not magic. It just means maybe certain tricks just don't work as well over Zoom. Great, create right. some tricks that are better for Zoom then maybe it's actually something crazy. You know, it's something valid and something good for us to consider. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think a good example of that is kind of like Adrian Lacroix. Yeah. Adrian Lacroix, Lacroix right, exactly. Out. The tricks are yeah. insane. But I yeah. know, I, I know for sure, Jacob, 100%, 110%. If Adrian <laughs> had published these tricks, like, you know, his, his, his tricks where some of them, I mean, without exploiting too much, they require, they specifically done on the camera because Without a camera, you can see what he's doing, basically, right? There are some right. tricks that are done off the frame of the camera. Um, if he had published this just before COVID, two years ago, for example, he would have been blasted. He would have been torn to shreds. People would have hated Adrian. Like, oh, Adrian's not a real magician. Like, oh my God, it's a camera trick. I mean, this is the death of magic. I knew it. I knew magic is dead. Man, no, no, ma magic is dead. Look at this. Look at these young punks doing tricks. They can't even be performed live. Like, oh my God. But now everyone is like, no, licking his boots. Everyone loves Adrian because they are, he's producing tricks that they can actually do in their Zoom shows. It's so ridiculous. Everyone, please, when there's a new medium, whatever the next one is, virtual reality, uh, whatever, some sort of eye drop that you put into your eye to see some images or some sort of gas you inhale to, to you know, vape magic like you, you you vape something and then you start hallucinating videos <laughs> like you know you start hallucinating youtube videos whatever it is please just embrace it think of new ideas it, it's really silly magic's progress has always been tied very closely to the development of technology and if we keep thinking that magic does not can must shun technology that's when magic is really dead yeah yeah yeah, I, I think that I think that's a really good point. I, I love. <laughs> I'm actually I'm I'm dying. Oh, that made me laugh so much because that is a uh, that's quite close to the voice that Benji and I often, uh, who's my co-founder, mm. put on when it comes to some of those comments. It's just like, guys, come on, it's okay. Like we we can accept new things, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> in fact, we should do, or else, like, how can we progress? You know, like. If, if you believe that we literally can't create anything original and that we have to stick to basically only studying out of expert at the card table for the rest of magic's existence, oh, then God. what's the point? Oh, oh, God. Like, where's the, oh, even like, not even like, what's the point? Where's the fun? You know? <laughs> okay. Unpopular um, opinion, Puffin. Oh, here we go. The meme right here. Ernie's Here's your the, Reddit opinion. Ernie's at the card table. Ernie's at the expert at the card table, right? By S.W. Ernie's. 
I think it's possibly the most overrated book in card magic. Ooh. Oh, Elaborate. Oh, 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 oh unpopular oh. opinion. <laughs> I think so. I think it's so overrated. I think everyone just loves it because Vernon does. Don't you think so? Mm. I think it's because Vernon extols the virtues of it. And I'm not saying it's a bad book, but because mm. Vernon does it, everyone is like, it's the Bible of card magic. And I'm, I, I've, I've tried reading it. Okay, I'll be very honest. I've not read it cover to cover. Ooh, so even more unpopular. I, I've not read it cover <laughs> to cover. I've read parts of it. And I found the, the moves and the tricks to be like, yeah, almost everyone I know who loves earnings, when you ask them to show something, they'll be like, oh yeah, oh no, but the bottom deal I do is like a modified version or, you know, oh, it's actually, I do someone else's thing. Like no one ever does it. Like, damn it. What was everyone doing? And I feel vindicated. Is that the word vindicated? I feel like someone supports me. I was reading the um, the Steve Forty books, right? Mm. The Steve Forty yeah. books, and the, the recent ones that are the huge, the huge books, Gambling Five of Hand. And in it, he just he also tears Ernest to shreds. He's kind of just, oh, he also thinks Ernest is not that great a book, and that's Steve Forty. So if you don't believe me, believe Steve Forty. Go and read. <laughs> go and buy those books. Go and read what he thinks about the book. And I, I kind of agree with him. I think the book is probably not that great because Ernest, according in, in his opinion, in his study, Ernest probably wasn't even a gambler. Probably wasn't anyone who knew anything about gambling. Probably just some like amateur, amateur magician who was pretending to write a book to expose gambling cheats. You know? Because he, he has many reasons for that based on his experience in gambling. You know? And I think, mm. I, I, I think he's an expert on what he says. So I think I would take his words um, with some seriousness. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting on that on that topic, I I I can't, I don't, I don't want to comment because I literally like same as like I just I haven't read enough of Ernest to like make a comment whether I think it's like good or not. Chicken <laughs> uh, coward, you don't want to yeah, make exactly. a stand. No, I will make a stand. This is the stand <laughs> I'll make. Uh, talking talking to Roberto Giobi, he he said actually something pretty funny about um, yeah, and maybe I'll I'll make my own comment afterwards. I won't hide behind Roberto. Um, but you, you I mean you use C forte, so I'll be in Roberto. Um, Roberto Giobi, um, was just saying, was, was talking about how, like, <laughs> the Royal Road to Card Magic, and he was like, you know, like, and obviously he's, like, insanely biased because he wrote Card College, but, um, he said, you know, like, Card College is just better. He's like, it's just newer. <laughs> he's like, like, the Royal Road to Card Magic is, is great and everything, but, like, I wrote Card College afterwards, and I tried <laughs> to improve upon the Royal Road to Card Magic. And he's like, yes. some of the stuff I describe is just more advanced because it's more modern. Yes. Um, and I think it's the same thing. Like, I, 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 like, some things are just like things just get better with time. I mean, just like look at our, just look at your home. You know, like nobody wants to like nobody, nobody wants to like get rid of their dishwasher. Nobody wants to get rid of their washing machine. You know, no yeah. one wants to get rid of their dryer. You know, <laughs> why would you do that? You know, like, and and I I feel like it's a similar thing. Um, I guess I guess what it comes down to is, I I guess for me at least is, because there's also that debate with also like gimmicks versus sleight of hand, right? Mm -hmm. As far as like like is one better? Um, and <laughs> honestly, I think it just it comes down to the same thing of just like not at least for me like not gatekeeping. You know, 
Yeah. Like if somebody if somebody likes Ferdinand, something like fine. Like that's I like I don't really I literally don't care. You know, like a lot of people have got a lot of great stuff out of it, and like you say, maybe like all of it's modified at this point, which makes sense because it's old. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like honestly, like if someone thinks that's the best book in Magic, I don't really care. But if 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 because they think it's so good they are not willing to try reading any other book because the classics are always better, then that's where I would say you haven't, there's, there's an issue there for me. Yeah, you know? that, that, that's so silly. The whole, the, the whole thing is so silly about, like, only the classics are good. Look, I, right. I, I reset this. I love books. I love classics. I collect them. I read them. Not just collect them. Right. I actually do read them. And they're good, but some of the modern stuff is just as good. And, and let's stop, you know, insisting that you know, I, I guess it's the typical thing with artists, which is that they always think that I can never live up to the masters of the past, right? Right. It's like, oh, I can never be as good as Leonardo da Vinci. I can never be as good as mm-hmm. Michelangelo. And just keeps going back and forth. But I, I like to think, I like to be optimistic about it, that I'm pretty sure that there are magicians today who are way better than Di Vernon was or Ed Marlowe was. Um. I, yeah. I, I I genuinely think so. I genuinely think there are many magicians today who are better. Than Honestly, them. well, it's it's disappointing if we're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, forward. if we are not, then then what's <laughs> happening? It's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and surely some yeah. people, some of us, must have been better because how did Di Vernon or Ed Marlowe get that good? Because they were better than their masters, right? They were better right. than the past. That's how they improve. That's that's how that's how we improve. So I'm pretty sure there yeah. are many magicians now who, just by virtue of knowing Marlowe and Vernon. Plus everyone else's material, they must be better already and more knowledgeable yeah. than. And I, I guess where the debate debate comes in is like again, like I guess whether their performance is good. Like because I'm I'm sure there's so many magicians that are like technically better as far as like their slides or whatever it might be, you know, mm. when it comes to actual performance or. But I mean, Marlowe is not known as a performer anyway, so maybe not performance, um, but let's yeah. say in terms of being uh, having break, breakthroughs in ideas. Right, yeah. being inventive. So, like the like fact that Marlowe like, can create so much stuff. Maybe magicians nowadays. I don't know who is as creative as him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know either. But I, honestly, I, I think I think like you say, like I I know a lot of magicians are like blasphemy, blasphemy. But it's like, dude, like if we're not getting better, then why are we studying it and <laughs> releasing books on it? And like, why are we like, what's the well, like, what's the point? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe that maybe that. I guess that's maybe where does that debate over like art versus whatever because mm. like you say like someone could say like I will never be as Leonardo da Vinci and be correct correct because through an artist's eye maybe they never will be you know because to someone that is the pinnacle of a painting and you can never yeah. or, or, you know what I mean like you can never surmount it right but the thing is like I said if we take kind of art and perception out of it of course if somebody thinks Divernon is the best magician ever to live, you will never be the best magician to ever live because that's their perception, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah, I agree. Um, but if it comes to technicality, then of course you can excel uh, and we should be able to. I mean, just think about all the technology and stuff mm. that we have. Like, I mean, I think of kind of like the Stranger app. I think of uh, a lot of those, you know, the decks, the, the dice that you can control as they roll and you can press like a button in your pocket and it'll yeah. go to the exact number that you need, you know, or... Um, just so much of technology that has, and again, I guess perhaps I know people will agree. Maybe people will say, "Oh, well, that's not skill." But um, I mean, Divernon himself said, "Effect over method." So, like, mm. why not 
why not use everything that at your like why not you know like <laughs> at the end of the day and especially especially for both like I, i'm an amateur magician as well like i mean i produce like, both of us have produced our we've produced our own products but it's not mm. it's not and maybe that's maybe that's where it's different but like, yeah as, as an amateur magician like if i have like a cool little gimmick why would i not show it off to my friends you know and like blow their mind like <laughs> that's just fun you know? of course so, it's fun and, yeah. and, and i think that people always forget is that we should be doing magic because it's fun i mean more than anything mm-hmm. art art we express it in our own way and we are just having fun i don't, I don't know why it's such a difficult concept for people to grasp mm-hmm. and, and and i think also if you practice from this place of like i will never be as good as like anyone else and I, my creations will always suck and like yeah. Erdenace is the bible on magic and i will never surmount it then of course your magic is not going to be better of course i mean you're putting yourself in that mindset where it never will be because and and even in your perception you never will be either yeah uh, and i think that that's an interesting point too it's it's yeah like you say i why be rest- like don't put barriers on yourself like uh, that that's only gonna <laughs> block you <laughs> strangely enough <laughs> yeah I, I i think that part of being a creative person or someone who wants to improve is having that audacity to think that, oh, I can be better than that person, than that master. I, I, I think I can do better than Royal Road. Hence, I'm going to write Card College. And you know what? Having read both books, I agree. I think Card College is better. Hey, Roberto, if you're listening to this, I agree. I think Card College is better than Royal Road. Mm-hmm. Just that I would, the only difference is that Royal uh, Card, Card College is, of course, more expensive. So right. if you want a cheap way to get into card magic, of course, Royal Road is the more economical one. But... In terms of content, I think for the price, Card College is, is of course better. It's of course better. It covers so much more material, much right. more modern tricks that are no, some of them are really not that difficult at all. They really, although it says Card College, I think it really is suited for everyone, you know? So yeah, later I better get my check from Roberto for promoting. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I love Card College. I, I love Roberto's stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just think part of it is the audacity. Like when I was younger, I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna start creating all my tricks for myself so that I can only perform tricks. You know, I, I so that I'm only able to perform tricks that I created by myself. I don't have to depend on anyone else. Very ambitious goal. To be honest, I've not reached that goal yet mm. because as I mature, I realize that's kind of a dumb goal to have. There are so many good tricks out there. Why are you only limiting to your own tricks? Um, and so now I perform a mixture of my tricks and other people's tricks depending on the situation. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, talking of that, mm-hmm. so we, we've talked a lot about why it's important to be original, but maybe people are probably wanting, well, like, thank you, but how do I do that? <laughs> and I think um, you're, you're a big creator yourself. So tell me, what is your creative process? That's impossible to answer, honestly. It, it, <laughs> or, or should I say, if I were to answer, that's like a two-hour lecture. <laughs> because every trick is different and I would say I would, the, the tips I would give is that if you're beginning to create stuff um, start thinking about creating okay I, I think my first piece of advice is um, for people who are trying to create is number one don't stop you must do it every single day try to keep obsessing and immersing yourself in thinking about new tricks so don't worry about whether they're very original. 
just care about the, the process of creating. You know what I mean? Just keep thinking about, okay, I want to try to create mm. my own sandwich routine. Okay, cool. Yeah. What moves do I know? And you just put together something that I, you don't care if it's good or not. Just try to put things together because when you do that, it is your first few steps in understanding how a trick is put together. You're going to fail. You're going to do, you know, you're going to create something really stupid and really bad. Just badly construct the trick. But it doesn't matter. Be proud of it. Write it down. That's my second thing. Write these things down and pretend like you're writing it down mm. as if you're publishing a book. It's going to be crap. Right. It's going to be bad. Just write it down and be, take it as a small victory that you've created something from scratch. Right. And then the next one is repeat. Just keep doing this over and over and over again. Force yourself to, for example, combine plots. Oh, I'm going to take triumph and sandwich. Okay, put that together. Does it make sense to put them together? No. Will the sandwich take away from the um, strength of a triumph ending? Probably. So why do you put them together? I don't care. I'm treating this as a creative exercise. Mm. I'm not trying to do it because I want to be the next famous creator. I'm not trying to be the next Kalen Morelli. I'm not trying to be the next Blake Boyd. I'm not trying to be the next Nicholas Lawrence. I'm just trying to build my brain up. I'm just trying to build that creative muscle up. Just keep bashing it, bashing away at it. And before you know it, you'll come up with something that's really, really good. Yeah, I like that. It's kind of, um, I think there's something like in English, they say, like, write your first like 10,000 or 100,000 words, like as fast as you can, Mm. because they're going to (laughs) suck. Yes. And after that, you'll get better. (laughs) Correct. Um, And and I think it's the same thing. Like there's, it's kind of what we were talking about, I guess, with like Darwinianism and like, uh, just like, all of that. It's like, you will be bad. Like <laughs> there's, there's no getting around that. Like yeah. you just, when you start something, you suck. Like uh, I think about, I actually, I dance. And mm. when I started dancing yeah. and I actually started doing like ballet and stuff, like oh, yeah? I was, yeah, I, I was really bad and I'm still not very good, but mm. <laughs> like with time, like your muscles just need to develop, you know, like everyone can see that. You know, I think it's very clear to everyone. You wouldn't go into a gym and try and bench press 500 pounds. Right. Because your arms would snap, you know, like, (laughs) and it's the same thing. But for some reason, we can't see it when it comes to creative stuff. Like if you want to be able to bench press or do come up with an incredible, write a book, like for instance, yourself, like like to be able to write a book, (laughs) you're going to have to write. 10 crappy books before that, like, or at least write, like you said, like create a hundred crappy tricks before you come out with something that's actually any good yeah um and that's fine like i and i think that's maybe like a scary part of the process for people but i think once you can accept that and once you realize like you know Mm. there's no other way to get better (laughs) like there's there's no secret cheat code like that's kind of the, the hard thing you know like there's there is no secret cheat code other than practice and being bad at first and getting better yeah and of course you can have good mentors of course you can read from the right stuff of course there are things that you can use to kind of direct your ship so mm. that it lands in the right destination right. because if, if you start practicing the wrong stuff and do that for 10 years then yeah you still will be bad because you've been using the wrong material <laughs> um but I, I would say beyond like you said like beyond navigating your ship and, and push and, and making sure you set sail in the right destin for the right destination mm. um there's nothing, at least for me, I, I don't think there's anything 
that you can do more than just fail and get better. And it's kind of like that quote, actually. Let me pull it up. There's, there's a really good, um, uh, there's a really good quote by um, uh, Winston Churchill. Okay. Um, and I, I really like it, actually. It says, um, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Mm, that's a great quote. And yeah, so it true. really is. Yeah. That's and there's true. another one by, by Thomas Edison as well, actually, um, that, I, that I really like. Is it the one, um, is it the one I'll, about I've not found what I found 10,000 ways or something like that? Yeah, that's a good one as well. But the, the one that, yeah, the, I haven't failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Mm. Yeah, that one's good. This one's cool as well. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they came to, they were to success when mm. they gave up. Mm. That's so true. As and, well. Yeah. 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 And, and so I think, I hope that this inspires, I know that we have a lot of young listeners and a lot of students that listen to the podcast. And I hope, and myself, I mean, I'm, I'm learning from Harapan. So <laughs> I hope that I'll be constantly inspired um, to realize that, you know, and, and however old you are, you know, like, I think about the, like the person that founded McDonald's was, was like, well into his like, middle age and older, <laughs> you know, right, like, right. A, a lot of these really successful people in the world, uh, I mm. guess, in worldly terms, would were older. And, and, and I think, like you say, it's that ability to be able to just write down a bunch of stuff and some of it will suck and then you just keep going and it will get better. No, it's not so, some of it will yeah. suck. At the start, all, all, all of it will suck. <laughs> all of it will suck. Yeah. I, I still have a book of my old tricks. I've never touched a single one of them. They all suck. <laughs> and, and I think, I just want to say, yeah, a lot of the young people, um, what they see often, especially, maybe I don't know if it's because of social media. I don't want to sound like a boomer like blaming social media for everything. <laughs> but, um, well, in my students' eyes, even, although I'm a millennial, people, my students think I'm a boomer. Um, um, I, I think what happens is that they only see the facade of successful people. They only see the success. So they think that, oh, these people must be successful overnight, that they never suck. They, the moment they broke on the scene, they are already this successful. But they don't see people yeah, you know who? I mean, everyone started out really bad. Uh, for I'll, I'll just bring up someone like let's say Kalen Morelli, who you know created a lot of crazy, crazy ideas, and it seems like oh, he was always just this creative. Or the moment he published his first thing, he was a huge success. But what I know is that he, when he was young, he was just creating random ideas, some of which were not good, some of which were good, and he just started publishing for free in like magic magazines and things like that just to get his name out there slowly, you know? But you don't see that. You only see the social media and YouTube giants and things like, you know, all these people, and you think, that, oh, that's what they were always like. But until you go back to see their early days and realize that everyone is bad at the start. Yeah, there's no one that's really good at the start. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, so, like that. I mean, even, even like Einstein, like, hmm. <laughs> you know, like even, even like it's just, that's just part of life. And it's kind of nice. Like I was actually listening to a podcast the other day called My First Million. Mm. And they were talking about how the first thing people want to know uh, when you meet a famous person or a celebrity is like, what were they like? You know, what were they actually like? Yeah. Um, and they were talking about how, because I mean, the podcast is run by millionaires themselves. They talk about, you know, when you meet other people that you think of, well, who are really successful, you realize they're just kind of 
as messed up and normal mm, as you mm, are. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and I, I think that's very true. It's like uh, we put a lot of people on a pedestal, and and some people, yeah, you should put them on a pedestal, but not, you know, but for, for their success. But also, you have to realize like everyone is just a person, and, and especially in magic, everyone is so approachable. You know, like you can probably reach out to pretty much everyone but like four different maybe the only people that are unreachable are basically like david blaine quantum reese is pretty hard to get to if you don't know the right people and like uh, darren darren brown penn and yeah. teller i guess mm. just because just because quantum reese doesn't have like an instagram or email that you can easily find i mean yes. and even if you want to get through to him you could you could definitely find a way eventually but she's just harder than most um yeah. so it's like it, and, and and I know he also he read your book and so you you were able to access him as well. But um, <laughs> not not, yeah. not 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 to sound like I'm bragging, but all of the four people you named, I've met three of them. I've, I've only not met Penn. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've yeah, been well, very fortunate to have met. Yeah, but what what I mean by that is literally what I'm talking about is you can literally just Google their name, yeah. email them, and they'll respond. You know, yeah, like pretty yeah. much every magician yeah, is in true. that boat. <laughs> yeah, almost everyone's in that boat. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, agree. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I I think it's just like like you're saying it's like everyone's accessible and you know there are great mentors who would be like Pitt Hartling. I mean, someone that I really really enjoy his magic. Mm. He literally we sent him one of our routines and he sent us back like an essay of critiques and stuff that he would do with it and even oh, like wow. took a picture of his own cards and told us exactly how he would change around like. And we had him on the podcast recently, but mm. and, and and again we sat down for half an hour and just threw a bunch of memorized deck ideas at him and asked him what he thought. Mm. <laughs> and he was very gracious in in helping us with that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think uh, people that you think aren't accessible are accessible, and yeah. uh, and I think your own creativity is is one of those things as well that it, it is very accessible. And anyway, I'm, I think I'm talking way too much. This is not the Jacob <laughs> podcast, but um... <laughs> no, it's so good. I mean, I'm, I'm learning things as well. Just now you say you're learning from me. I'm also learning. I mean, through these things, I'm also listening to different opinions and realizing what mm. I know and don't know. So it's good. Yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, I, I'd love. Let, let's yeah, let, let's move forward a little bit. Um, how? So how? I, I'd love to hear. I'm sure people are very interested because everyone wants to be able to do this these days. Mm -hmm. uh, how how did you grow your presence on on social media? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hashtags. <laughs> Hashtag. I, I, I honestly yeah, don't true. know. I honestly don't know. I, I know of no other. I, I didn't know of how to grow anything. I don't know anything except someone told me you got to use hashtags. Just they allow <laughs> 30 hashtags, you put 30 hashtags. And that's all I've done. Every post, I just put 30 hashtags. I don't try to, like, you know, do collabs. I, I have never done anything like buy followers or buy likes or anything like that. None of that. And it's just grown. I don't know. I think the most important is still good content. And I think I put out good content and people like it. But I'm, I'm also yeah. amazed. I'm also amazed. The thing is, honestly, in Magic, in Magic, I know there are many magicians who really play the game. And of course, they grow insanely fast, right? But I, I, my, my growth is okay. Right. I, I think it's okay. It's, it's, it's all right. I, I think for me, it's just hashtags and good content and people like your stuff. And that's how I've grown my, my, my social media presence so far. I like that. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay. Well, I want to hear a little bit more. Um, I think we're getting towards, towards the tail end of the podcast, but before we do close up, I'd love 
you to kind of talk about your books because I'm sure people are, I know a lot of people are, are big fans of yours and sure. I hope a lot of people after this podcast will go and buy a bunch of your stuff. Sure. Um, so tell me a, a bit more about Principia. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the four treasures and sure. just, yeah, these books that you've, you've been releasing. Sure. So Principia was released in 2018, in December of 2018. It was, um, it, it is my biggest book to date. It contains right. all of my card magic for about 10 years of 10 years worth of card magic I've created. Um, it contains about slightly more than half of it is sleight of hand. The other, the other sections are all gimmick card magic. When you buy the book from Vanishing Ink Magic, you get the gimmicks along with the book. So, and you get also a link to the performance videos in the book uh, for the tricks in the book. So you get, a, it's a whole package for a really good price. I think there are about 60 tricks in the book for $60. You know, I think it's a really, really good price. So if, I think because of those reasons, the fact that there are gimmicks, the fact that there are videos, and the fact that I think this, my social media presence is relatively strong, the book rose very quickly to become a bestseller. Um, in the magic community, it sold out very, very quickly. I think within a one or two months, it was out. That's cool. It, it was completely out. So I was very happy to hear that. And um, uh, yeah, the, the, the book contains, uh, I'm very proud of the book. The whole book is written in the format of, a, of scientific papers. So every trick is written as if it's a research paper into some particular plot or something like that, uh, which is what my background was, you know. Uh, so 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 that was interesting. I think people really enjoyed the format of the book as well. So yeah, if you want to buy that book, you can go to vanishingingmagic.com. Vanish okay, I don't know if this if I'm allowed to say this, but yeah, vanishingmagic.com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can, right? It's not like a, oh yeah, it's, it's please. It's a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> you have to make it clear. Uh yeah. So vanishingmagic.com. Go there and you can buy my book. If you buy from Vanishing Ink, yeah. um, you will be directly supporting me because a, a part of the sales will go to me directly. If you buy from I, I will yeah I will add actually um for people that are listening to this um and it's not after I think the third of uh let me check the third of April we are gonna be offering a a ten percent discount on we've we've talked with um Vanishing Inc. Oh, and they cool. we, yeah so everyone that's on our mailing list uh and those of you that are in the inner circle you get twenty percent off Principia and th those oh, of you that sick. are on our mailing list, we'll get ten percent off. Um, so, just for everyone, if you're listening to this and it's not, <laughs> and it's not after that date, mm. watch your watch your inbox because uh, yeah, you you get a, a discount for being on the Daily Magician mailing list. That's sick. I, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. So, Bashing Magic. What if you buy it from there? Um, I get a cut of the sales, so you'll be directly supporting the creator. So that's the best way yeah. to buy it. Um, my second book and my most recent book is the Four Treasures. This book was published with my friends in China, uh, TCC mm -hmm. Magic, who are in Shenzhen. I visited them a few years ago as well. Uh, yeah, a few years ago as well. And I was very impressed by the way they conduct stuff and by the way they're trying to produce good magic and good products from China, you know, trying to reverse the image of Chinese products being bad. They're really trying to reverse that by producing good stuff. So that, that, that sounds pretty noble and pretty good. So I produced this book with them with the intention of, I've always wanted a book to be published in Chinese, which is, uh, I guess, my ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I published a Chinese book, which contains four tricks, 
in Chinese in China, but then I know that I'm sure my international followers would want the English version as well. So the Four Treasures is the English version of that Chinese book. It contains four tricks with four gaffes. So each each trick is one different gaff. And of course, as usual, the gaffes all come with the book when you buy it. The concept is that I actually carry these gaffes with me every single day. They are my everyday carry gaffes. Whenever I open a deck of cards, I say a bicycle deck, I take out the jokers and the advertisement cards and I replace them with these four gaffes. And that's the uh, that's the way I have uh, designed the book around, which is which four gaffes are the most versatile and can produce the best mm. effects. And therefore the, four, the title. Therefore the title, The Four Treasures, is my answer. Mm. The whole book is formatted in a very Chinese, oriental sort of way. So I that's think, cool. yeah, if, if you like that kind of style, you'll like it. The best place to buy that book is actually on my website, harapanmagic.com slash shop. harapanmagic.com slash shop. Because if you buy it from there, I get a direct cut of the sales because it's my own website. So if you'd like to support the creator, if you believe in doing that, uh, please purchase the book from my website, harapanmagic.com slash shop. Not only do you buy it from me, you're supporting the creator, you also get to uh, have the book signed and with whatever message you want, I'll write it on the book as well. You can also request whatever more. message I want. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, whatever <laughs> message you want, as long as it's not anything offensive or anything like that. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Card College is the best, or Eldenace sucks. Harapanong. Yes, yes. Card College is actually really good. I re- I really like Card College. I really like Roberto Joby stuff. I think it was yeah, last. Okay. It was late last year. I I went on Roberto Joby binge. I bought a whole ton of books by Roberto and I was just, mm. just going through them. They're really, really good. He explains things really well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he really good, does. Really good stuff. Mm. Yeah, and, and for, if anyone also is just kind of like spacing on trying to like desperately write down that uh, thing, just look up Harapan on, on Instagram and you can also find the link uh, to his shop there. Correct. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So I definitely endorse people to be able to do that. Like I said, we'll be offering an exclusive discount over the next few mm. days. So as many of you that can go buy uh, Principia. Um, and I, I know it, I, I'm actually getting a copy is coming in the post for me today <laughs> so that yeah. I can read over it before I before oh, okay, do great. promotion. So I, I, yeah, I will be, I'm, I'm really excited to read it. I've heard only great things. And also we'll, be, we'll also be promoting on uh, the deck um, that you have. So okay. um, at least, the, yeah, the gimmick deck. That will also be a little people will see that as a little upsell. So you can sure. also get yourself a, a little sure. discount off that. So, yeah. You know, you, you know what? You know what, Jacob? I, I, we yeah. haven't really planned this yet, but since you're doing that discount, mm-hmm. maybe let's, let's, let's think about how I can discount the four treasures for people who are listening to this podcast or the people who are subscribed to your mailing list. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we, perfect. We, we maybe we can, like a, we can do like code. a both of them together. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll do that for my website. Because I think I can do some setting on Squarespace or something cool. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Okay, so, well, so, yeah. so people so, will see so that in emails. Yeah, so listeners yeah. Or, or, or emails, whatever. If you're listening to this or whatever, yeah, go and check out. I'll, I'll try to do some discount so that you can buy the four treasures at a good price. Awesome. Well, Hammond, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for, for your time. Thank you for your uh, honesty <laughs> uh, and uh, how, how genuine you've been. I, I, I really do appreciate that because no, um, no I think it's, it's an important thing. No problem. Um, and, and thank you for everything you've taught me. I feel like I've, I've been able to get a, a good hour and 15 minutes with a 
the incredible musician and also just a really knowledgeable guy. So thank you so much for your time. You're too kind. You're too kind. Thank you so much. It's been okay, a pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll we'll see you. Well, I'll see you on the next podcast. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.